Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh yeah. Sign up at robinhood.com/boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast, the Ballast and Skeen show here at the Wolverine.com. You're breathing a little heavy into your mic there, Skeen. I'm oh, sorry, man. Sorry. That's we, were just talking about, we were talking about the Lions last week. I know. getting held, and I was all hot and bothered. I was bothered too, but then you know what? I thought it's the Lions. Something's going to happen. They're going to finish eight and nine or whatever. With all due respect to all Lions fans out there, I've seen this uh, movie before. We should have seen this coming after the big win over Kansas City, but you know what? It is what it is. We swallowed the Kool Aid, as Doug Steen would like to say, and here we are. I but I didn't have yeah. any. Well, okay. Well, I'll get you some next week after they beat Atlanta. So, and they're two and one. So, Atlanta's two and zero. Oh. I'll tell you what; it's same old Lions if they lose at home to Atlanta and they lose their first two home games. But we're not here to talk about the Lions. We're here to talk about Michigan football, and uh, that's not going to be much more pleasant this week after the night game and the awesome light shows. I'm sure that uh, that really grabs your attention there, Skeen. I heard a lot of uh, a lot of the older generation saying, "Turn the lights on," you know, and everything else. And now uh, they weren't impressed. But what I was not impressed with. <laughs> was the football and especially yeah. the offense. The defense was okay. You know, you're going to get a couple guys back there. Will Johnson still didn't play. Rod Moore still didn't play. And they keep telling us week after week, you know, these guys are coming back probably next week. And 
Yeah, they had a couple balls thrown over their heads. Even Mikey Shaner still had one thrown over his head, which you don't want to see. But at the same time, up front, they did fine. I thought, uh, especially against the run, that defensive line wasn't going to give up a whole lot. But let's talk about the offense first. And uh, to me, uh, a few issues. Number one, J.J. McCarthy playing his worst game in a Michigan uniform. And that we can, you know what, you can chalk that up to, chalk up the loss, uh, a lot of, not the loss, I chalk up the, the offensive frustration, a lot of that to his play, number one, but number two, the offensive line. And the first interception was not his fault scheme. And we've talked to two or three different people, including Sharon Moore about that. I guess the tight end brought the corner back into that play. He should not have been there. What'd you see on that one? And uh, it looked like a simple pitch and catch. Is that really on the quarterback though? Does he have to understand and see that there and not throw that ball? Yes, absolutely. So it's a okay. compounded mental error, right? So uh, I, I read Coach Moore's comments after the game, and you, you think back of that replay, and you go, yeah, that, that guy should not have been there. That defender was just doing his job, and that was an easy one for him. But if a, a, a true elite-level quarterback realizes the mistake by his route tree out there and goes, oh, that ball can't go there because that guy's not supposed to be by there. And, it, and yet he threw it anyway. So that, yeah. was, a, that was an ugly one. Um, and then some of the other plays were obviously pretty ugly and, and throughout the course of JJ pressing and, and, uh, the one where he really, you know, he ran around and, and extended the play. And that's where we've been talking for two years now. Wow. It's so exciting when he does that, but yet he throws it up for grabs and, and, and on that play, he just tried to be too big of a hero. And, and I just wish, I just wish Cade McNamara would have rubbed off a little bit more, just a little bit on, yeah. on JJ. And what I mean by that is. The beauty in the in the the maturity of just throwing it away, just get rid of it, throw it away, and live for the next down. You don't have to crisscross and circle back and forth on every single opportunity. Um, it's it just it's you know in a word it's it's called pressing. You're trying to do too much. Yeah. So in in McNamara, I always really enjoyed when he would just be like, you know what, it's not there, throwing it out. Even if we have to punt, we'll do this next time. We got this. Our defense is handling it, so let's not do. Let's try not to do too much. I will say this. He was trying to throw that one ball out of bounds. He said on the sideline, he said, I should have thrown it into row 30. He said, I've been doing it in practice too, where I'm just not getting enough on it. So uh, I'll give him the benefit of that doubt there until it happens or if it happens again, which I don't think it will. He does generally learn from his mistakes. He had one terrible pass where he had some pressure and it seemed to panic a little bit, threw it to the middle of the field uh, when there was nobody open and the uh, yeah. defensive back undercut him and, and picked it off. Yeah, that was, you know, it, you know, in a word, the game we're talking about JJ and the offensive line and everything. And I thought the run, the run defense was good. It should, it should have been good. The the Bowling Green offensive line was nothing that Michigan's defensive front shouldn't have been able to handle. But offensively, it was certainly clunky and ugly at times. And you know, you and I were talking before you hit the record button on this on this episode here, and and it's like, well, is this football team bored? And I, and I think there's probably an element of truth to that, Ballas, and that you remember, you got a bunch of young guys, they're checking the box here, playing these teams that they should absolutely destroy, and they've been telling everybody, you know, the the, the Vegas betting line is 40 points or whatever it was, and and you're number two in the nation. There's no there's no challenge on paper here, and no matter what this coaching staff does to motivate these guys. You know, admittedly, back, you know, 30 years ago, we'd feel the same way. We're lining up to play somebody ho-hum, and you go out there and you play like, you know, average or underwhelming, and you watch the film and you go, man, I'm a lot better than that. We're a lot better than that. And yet, you know, maybe the next week, and they said that last week, you've heard that the first couple of weeks, we got to get better at things. But then your next opponent is someone that doesn't really make a sit up in your chair either. 
And so I think that'll change this week because uh, the Rutgers team is well coached. We know how well Coach Giano can coach a football team and specifically a defense. So I think this will bring a new challenge and hopefully a, a, a new renewed uh, energy for this football team. But it was not a pretty football game. You know, at the half, I'm like, yikes, this is just not enjoyable to watch here. Yeah, let's be honest. Each each opponent got worse as we went through this schedule. So these guys are probably thinking, all right, let's fast forward to Rutgers and then, okay, let's go to Nebraska. You know, Nebraska's not playing great. But I'll tell you what, if Michigan plays like they did Saturday night, they're, they're going to have trouble uh, with some of these opponents. But here's the thing, man. They're probably not going to, if we're being honest. These these teams are going to have their attention. They're going to go to Nebraska. They're going to – a lot of the guys that were there before are going to remember the challenge that they had with that team in that environment. They're going to be excited about it. There's nothing, nothing exciting about going on a Saturday night to see Michigan play Bowling Green. New light show. New light or show. Not. <laughs> or not. Uh, it's like Scott Leffler or Bowling Green's coach said, they probably, there it is. Skeen, uh, for those who can't watch, Skeen is doing a light show. I think it's, uh, I think that's Morse code for uh, hey, get us out of here. But, was, it was, I was impressed with turning the lights on and off. I was yeah, impressed. That was, that was fantastic. And then the maize and blue came out. Woo. So, but uh, now get off our lawns. But um, here's the thing, man. There was nothing exciting about it. Now these guys, uh, you know what, Rutgers is is capable of of hanging with these guys for a while. And with the shortened game, and I keep just saying it, you know what, 44 offensive plays this yeah. week. And part of it was because they were giving the ball away. Part of yeah. it was because Bowling Green, under quarterback Camden uh, Orth, I think his name was, yeah. did pretty, pretty well in the first second quarter. String, second stringer, third stringer. Yeah. They were moving the football balance. They were Getting a First bit. downs and moving the football. And it's like, what what is going on here? Yeah, The sustained drives and um, – and so I, I, you know, again, it's like man, it's just sort of a bunch of bored young men want to want to play the game and just get through the thing. And the lights didn't have any impact on it, Ballas. Are you sure? No, I don't think can so. You, can you say that definitively? I can say it without without question. <laughs> the, okay. the on-off switch on the lights didn't have anything to do with uh, quarterback okay. play. We'll check the analytics on that for you young guys that like to uh, live by analytics. <laughs> Although so. statistically now, analytically. Yeah. The performance of the Michigan football team with the on-off light switch is not good. <laughs> it maybe, is we not. Should, maybe we should go back to the lights just being on. We're going to talk about that in a second, and you're going to give us some numbers here. But first, I got to read about. I want to tell you about Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. Um, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. You've seen the stuff. Last week, we read, uh, wrote War, the Big Ten. Uh, championship apparel from 1992. Doug Skeen, yours is on the way. It's fantastic. Fits great, feels great. I've been wearing it all week, which is why I'm not wearing it today. It's in the laundry. I'm going to have to get some more, but um, commitments creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, some old school stuff too. Growing collection of over 150 plus colleges to choose from, including your favorite teams. I had somebody ask me if Grand Valley was on there last week. Absolutely, they were, and they bought something. They said it's fantastic, and they love it. So dedication to delving into the archives and history of each school. Lots of Big Ten championships to choose from for Michigan. A national championship, of course, in football and basketball in my lifetime. Lots of Final Fours and hoops, but they discover unique logos, mascots, iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. Authentic, nostalgic, uh, perfect for showing off team pride as college football returns. Uh, I Again, I love it. I've been wearing my Big Ten Championship shirt, skiing, as you know, 1992. Had a few people call me old, uh, which I took exception to. I'm older might be the right term, but uh, great, great comfort and quality. Homefieldapparel.com, folks. Wolverine 23 
is a code for you for 15% off any first order with home field. Um, again, absolutely love it. So I want to say how much we appreciate them as a sponsor, homefieldapparel.com and Wolverine 23 for 15% off. So uh, watch for your scheme. Uh, they didn't even charge you extra for the extra fabric because you're a big fella, obviously as, as an offensive Thanks. lineman and we are going to talk right. And we're going to talk about offensive line. Uh, all right. Your thoughts. Did these guys take a step backward and, I thought the line looked actually a little bit better when they moved Carson Barnhart back to right tackle and they had Ladarius Henderson there at left at yeah, times. I was watch yeah, I was watching Ladarius play at left tackle and Barnhart. Mm -hmm. I think I, I think there might be something there. It's a familiar spot, Barnhart at right. right. And here's here's the thing that, that stuck out to me is like, okay, week three, are we really are we really switching this around, this combination? And I guess yes, the answer is yes. We're still playing around with this proper tackle lineup. And I tell you what, it's got to be set by now. You, you can't be into week four or five and still rotating your tackles. You've got to get that offensive line set. So hopefully, whatever Coach Moore's combination is going to be going into Big Ten football season now, this is it. I I, did, I thought Ladarius played just fine at left tackle, and Barnhart obviously can play right. Um, Hinton in there at uh, um, in the first half at right tackle and some of the leakage that we had in pass protection, and we got a quarterback running around. As a unit, this is not where I had hoped it would be in week three. I'm still not hitting any kind of panic button, but it should be awfully tight, right? It's sort of related to an NFL season where you go through your preseason and, and you know, we're waiting the September schedule to mixing some guys in, seeing who can play, what the proper combinations are. But here going into the end of September, going into Big Ted season, I would think this this starting five would be all set. We'd be ready to go. We clearly know who's in the in the interior there with Nugent and our two veteran offensive guards. It's time to get this tackle set situation set, and let's go. Yeah, and I thought Barnhart looked more comfortable at right. And am I wrong? Uh, is it? I, I didn't watch it specifically enough on film to say okay, he's better over here. Just to the eye test, it looked like they were better when Barnhart was on the right side of the line. It's hard to say. I'd have to go back and watch the productivity and say, okay, is he is he moving better out of that right-handed stance? Does he have better relationship with Zinter over there on the right side and pass protection and really break that down? It's hard to tell from just watching a TV copy one evening, you know, last night watching the football game. So, but it clearly there's got to be a comfort level. He's been practicing, practicing and playing it for the last two or three years there. So, and just, just this fall playing over there at left, it's not that he can't play left. It's just that, like you're saying, he might be more comfortable at right. And if Ladarius, who was a left tackle before he got to Michigan, if he can step in there and do it, then let's do it. And, um, you know, obviously Trente came, comes in on the extra tight end position yesterday. I saw him in there at the, you know, at the, on the edge of the offense. And I think he brings a little bit of a spark. He, he presents a problem for a combination block out there. But obviously, um, you know, he's he's a veteran guy who's played a lot of football. So he's a plus out there. Michigan has a top seven offensive line group, right? There's clearly a top five, in my mind, um, of talent. And then you've got your extra tackle in the game, being Trente or Ladarius, whoever it's going to be. And then you've got Al Hadi in there in the middle. Uh, who can maybe move around and be your next guard in the game. So it's time to settle that thing in, and let's get on to winning this Big Ten. Yeah, and it's not unprecedented for them to make moves this late in the season. Uh, if you look at David Boss in 2004, remember, they were like, okay, we're not good enough at center. We're going to move him from guard to center, and boom, they started taking off. They played much yeah. better against Iowa. You didn't have a problem anymore. So it's okay to tinker because, you know what, unless you really screw up, 
And it's possible, man. If you look around the country, there are almost no sure things unless you're Washington going up to Michigan State. There are almost no sure things in college football. You look at Alabama struggling 3-3 three to three with South Florida at halftime. Georgia was down 10 at home to, to South Carolina for a while. So mm-hmm. those teams are better than Bowling Green. Or at least you know, at least uh, uh, South Carolina is. But mm-hmm. you know what? Um, this is one of those things where you don't have to be perfect. And Lloyd Carr always said it, it's not a game of perfect. But two things I will say is that JJ McCarthy's not going to play that badly again. I don't have much hesitation in saying that he was off. Something was wrong. Uh, I'm sure it was a combination of things. And if that game is 14 to nothing, Skeen, if they don't throw that pick. I think the game takes on a completely different tenor there, and they probably go on to win the thing 40-something to three or whatever it is. So there's that. Uh, instead, it wasn't. And um, some of the things that uh, in the running game I was a little bit, uh, I would say I felt better about skiing. I thought that Blake Corum ran harder and looked like the Blake Corum of old. His feet were moving. I thought he was a little bit more powerful, put his shoulder down a few times, and I thought there was a little bit more push up front. Am I wrong there? No, no, you're not wrong there. Quorum clearly is the better performing back of the two that we have right now. Quorum is finding the seams, uh, finding the creases, accelerating the feet, and getting getting more first downs and better yardage than Edwards is right now. It's just a reality. And I don't know what it is about the specific play calling that's going on in there with the, with the different backs that, are, you know, with when Edwards in there and, and Quorum is not. But right now there's a clear number one in the backfield. That's Blake Quorum in my mind. And so um, – Edwards has got to find a way to either be patient and find more creases or the, the coaching staff has to find a, a different way to get this kid the football on the football field because he's clearly talented and, and a threat to a defense. But um, it's good to see Quorum back in there playing the way he is because obviously we're going to need him. But but we need to have a happy backfield too, Ballas. Mm. you got two guys there that want that football a lot, and that's a balancing act that this coaching staff is going to have to deal with for the balance of this season. Yeah, and Blake Corum is the better running back, and I said that at the beginning of the year, and that's uh, and not to discount what Donovan Edwards has done for Michigan. I just think he's a different kind of back, and mm-hmm. if you look at him as a, a pass catcher, when they have him on the field at the same time, those guys are dangerous together, and I like mm-hmm. it, uh, but he was frustrated. There's no question about it. He was talking to some people I know, and he said, man, you know, people are, are going to think I'm no good, and it's, you know, I'm trying well, to no. understand him. No. When, yeah. you, when, you say, when you say, or anybody else, or myself, yeah. or any, anybody says, Quorum is the better back. That doesn't yes. mean that Donovan is not good. Of course. That means he's damn good. It just means right. that Quorum is performing better right now. I, it's a luxury position. And so, yeah. so it's not a, it's not a downgrade or a negative right. for 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 Edwards. So it's it's um, you know, but I can understand this frustration. You know, sure. this young man wanted to have an incredibly productive season, and so far, here three 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 games in, it's not quite where he wants wants it to be. So it's on him to fix that. Yep, it's on all of them to fix it, and the coaches would say the same. So we'll see where it goes next week, but I like uh, Rutgers coming in as a test. It almost feels like the season's beginning next week, Skeen, and this is the kind of opponent that I would like to see them play in the non-conference, frankly. It always it always does, and, and so over the years, we've watched Michigan now, you know, well, certainly since I left and while I was there. There's always a, there's always a reset button of some sorts when the Big Ten season starts, and this will be no different this year, and Maybe it's a luxury position that you just have Rutgers. It's only Rutgers, which is a dangerous thing, right? Um, and you're not starting off with, you know, Penn State or something like that in a season like this. But um, I would expect there'll be a rejuvenated enthusiasm come next weekend to open up this Big Ten title defense campaign that this football team now gets to take on. 
And so we should see more enthusiasm. We should see a tighter effort, a cleaner effort. And if we don't, Ballas, if we don't, now I'm going to start raising that yellow flag and saying, okay, mm-hmm. maybe this team is not a top five team. But, right. you know, hey, speaking of top fives, we coming into the season, we, we want to talk about offenses and where we thought this offense needed to be to challenge for the national title yeah. uh, through week three, passing offense in, in college football right now, Michigan is ranked 61st. And rushing offense, Michigan is ranked 68th. Yeah. Not where we want to be after three weeks against these opponents. Not I wouldn't have enough. guessed it. I would not no. have guessed No. No. And uh, you know what? We, we've kind of made excuses for them, you know, two weeks in a row. I'm not making any excuses for them this week. Uh, it just wasn't good enough. It was sloppy. And uh, maybe one excuse that you didn't have your head coach there. But at the same time, I remember – when Bo Schembechler wasn't there uh, for a bowl game and Gary Moeller stepped in and that thing looked like a well-oiled machine and the Hall of Fame bowl, I think that was before you got there, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, after the 1987 season, the, third, the year before you got there, um, they looked pretty darn good. So, um, yeah, but- and, that, and that's another thing, right? So Coach Harbaugh's coming back, Big Ten season starts, so hopefully all falls into place and uh, and the game day, the game day, you know, situation without having your head football coach there that's that's obviously gone i'm sure he'll come in fired up ready to go this is, it's a brand new it's a season opener for him you know right. first time he gets to be on the sideline with his team now in this in this year so i think that bodes well for michigan and you know what a great coaching opportunity for him and his coaching staff to come in and coach Harbaugh can come into the building today and tomorrow and probably light into those guys pretty good about the performance they just laid an egg on on the uh, the light flickering night at the new, yeah. the new reveal of the fancy light show at Michigan State, and they laid an egg. <laughs> they didn't lay an egg. They won the football game pretty handily. But they kind of laid an egg. Well, you know, they they won. They you know, it was clunky. It was a clunky yeah. win. Yeah, and you know, I've seen my share of those, and and things have been okay. That's the hilarious part, is you see the the end of the world posts on the message boards, right? You know, we'll never win another game. God, we <laughs> suck. You yeah. know, the one year, remember when they beat Rutgers a couple of years ago, and they had to hold on for dear life, and everybody was yeah. like, "This team blows." And guess what? They went out and they won the Big Ten in impressive, yeah. in impressive. I, I, I think we struggled struggled against Maryland last year. Yes, uh, uh, it was thirty four twenty seven or something like that. And yeah. uh, now the one thing that concerns me, and and going back to that game, it's like okay, Maryland kind of punched them in the mouth, and and you kind of felt like that was their first taste of competition last year too. So Rutgers is going to come in here amped up, man. I guarantee you, they are not going to be afraid to play that game. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but Michigan's going to have to match their intensity. And I think getting Harbaugh back at this point is going to be good for them. So, But I do want to – I asked uh, Doug Karsh, the voice of Michigan football, what he thought about this team. And he said, you know, uh, here's it's like probably one of the following. He said, maybe they're just not as good as we thought they were. And I don't think he thinks that. And he didn't say that, right? But, that's, but So, the, so that, that question right there, Ballas. Right, right. Is this team – that's starting to come into focus. It's starting to become a more legitimate question when you right. see performances like we saw. Maybe right. this team isn't the number two team in the country. But not the one that we have a definitive answer to. And again, Correct. if you look the around, jury is and still they, out. Right. Which brings us to number two, where he says this is simply a typical good team with endless potential and a lot of work to be done. Look around college football is what he said. And I, I was like, absolutely. Again, look at the top five last week. Uh, nobody was very impressive. Ohio State, you know, uh, pulled away from Youngstown State, you know, in the second half. 
uh, was it Youngstown State they played last no, week? Was, was it Western? No, it was Western Kentucky. Yeah, they pulled yeah. away in the second half, but they look a lot like Michigan did in the first three weeks. And then yeah. he said, number three, maybe they're bored and truly showing signs of missing the head coach. And he said, then maybe it's a combo of all three. And that's where I am. I think it's a, a bunch of mm-hmm. a bunch of things going on right now. But I, there's no question in my mind when I look at the defense, uh, like Scott Leffler said, you've got two first-round picks on the defensive line, right? And then you look at Junior Colson, you look at Michael Barrett, you look at Hausman. Uh, yeah, they're missing a couple guys in the secondary. And when they get those guys back, this defense is going to be really, really hard to move the ball on. So there's that. And then I look at the offensive line, and you got a couple of guards. Trevor Keegan had not been playing to his potential. I don't know how he played yesterday. I'm going to lean on you for that one. But these guys can play at a higher level. We know that the receivers are pretty good. Uh, you saw the acrobatic play that Cornelius Johnson made yesterday. Oh, yeah. Roman Wilson is looking pretty good running his routes. Now we got to see them against better competition. But And then I look at the backs, and I know what the backs can do, and I know what J.J. McCarthy can do. So I know that Allen is there. It's just about putting it all together. Yeah, there's opinion. no question. So we, we sit there, and we, you just listed off all this talent that we have in this offensive right. huddle plus the, the guys that come off the sideline to complement this this starting 11, no matter who the combination is. So it's just like, fellas, get this going here, man. Yeah. It's not it's not a question of talent or capability or even experience. Yep. Even, even in the case of Ladarius at left tackle, this kid's played a lot of college football. Yep. And sure so has. it's it's time to get going here. And I think I think Karsh is probably on to something there with the combination of all three. And to the point that he made, if you look across college football, you see a lot of teams – Late in September, playing a bunch of easy scheduled, you know, uh, schools to to get through a September cleanly, with the exception of a few that put that that you know went and won some tough games. Um, you know, maybe it is just you know that time of year where it's like, okay, let's just take a deep breath and let's you know, reset the button here and get going. And Jim Harbaugh teams generally almost always improve as the year goes on. And by the end of the year, they're playing some really good football. The Ohio State game notwithstanding, and that was a lot on their defense and their philosophies in that game, which they have cleaned up. So uh, I really don't have a whole lot of concern yet, especially, number one, about the defense. That defense is going to keep them in every game. It's probably going to win most of the games on the schedule alone for them because teams are just not going to be able to score a lot on them. Obviously, the games that everybody's looking at are Penn State and Ohio State. And you know, defense, you're not going to win with defense alone in those games. But um, number two, there's no question in my mind that that offense is going to improve. And all of a sudden, J.J. McCarthy is not dog crap here, guys. This guy was completing balls at an 87% clip to lead the nation. And everybody else was playing crappy competition, too. So you can talk about the competition, but he was throwing darts in there. Bad games happen every now and then. You know, it's not a game of perfect, as Lloyd Carr said. So he's going to get better. So... That's why my concern level isn't all that high. Again, if we're having this conversation after Rutgers where, you know, they squeak by or, you know, win a three, four point game or something like that, then maybe it's going to be different. Yeah, it's it's there's some concern floating around in the air. In my mind, but not panic. If um, if this offense doesn't tighten up, it's going to be a problem down the road. The good news is, is that um, we don't have to go to Penn State next week or the week after that. Um, zoom tight. Um, thanks for hitting the mute button. That was very kind of you. Absolutely. My, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want to get anything on you there. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, so it's, it's, it is, um, you know, again, it's, I, th- I think for us fans and, and observers of this football program and the people that love this football program, it's like, okay, yeah, we, we, we expect, you know, these, these roster or the, the schedule that we see here to be, 
covering these these games by 40 points and blowing them out and in the game being over by the first quarter and, and we, we talked about this for the last three weeks when it doesn't go perfectly it's easy for us fans to go oh my gosh what's wrong and yet in about another month from now if we're still undefeated no one's going to care we're not going to no. care no and, I mean- the, and these in these passing now that the, the statistics are what they are I, I i do believe that this passing efficiency and this running efficiency we can't live in the in the middle of the pack in all of college football mm-hmm. and expect to repeat as Big Ten champions and go on chase the big trophy. So that performance, the statistics have to get better. And you do that, Ballas, by doing what? Put your foot in the right place at the right time when you come out of your stance. Yeah. Don't look up the big picture. Work on your technique and your individual responsibilities as a guard, tackle, center, tight end. Doesn't matter what it is. Do the fundamentals and the rest will take care of itself. All right. How are the interior guards playing? I want to. I want to know in the interior line as a whole. Did they get better? Did they get worse? Did they stay the same this week? Were there some things that they needed to clean up? Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinner are two guys that are supposed to be one of the best tandems in the country. Are they starting to show it? What did they show you on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I, I I kind of put them on par with the first few performances here. I mean, there was just been flashes, you know, short yardage and goal line where it's like. They just roller skated the whole defensive front into the end zone or get a first down. And then there's been times where it's an obvious short yarded situation where we didn't get a first down against, gosh, who we even played last week. I can't even remember who it was. It was uh, UNLV. UNLV. There you go. Sorry. And um, so it's not perfect. And in the Ohio State games in the last couple seasons and key moments against Penn State, when everybody in the world knows what you're about to do and that they did it anyway, right? we're not quite there yet. And at times, you you know, and, and even in last night, when Coram had a couple of his nice runs, I saw some really nice combos of either Zinter and Nugent or Nugent and Keegan getting a down lineman to linebacker. I'm like, ooh, that looks really nice. That was good. That was, you know, that was clean. And so there's plenty of flashes of it. And I would say even most of the time, they're blocking pretty well. But that's not the expectation for these guys. These guys are these guys are high performing guards at Michigan, and there's enough experience up there that it's time now. So if you got you know if you got a, like a you know think of a of a, a chart ballast of improvement, that thing should that thing should advance pretty pretty steeply here. Getting into this part of the season, we should see these players really you know start to dial in their capabilities, and 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 the looseness. And the leakers there in the middle should become pretty far and few between. And what what that looks like for us as we're watching the game, no tackles for loss. You yeah. can't have guys standing in the backfield. You can't have a looper that or on, a, on a pass pro that somehow gets on somebody's hip. Yeah. Those tiny little things go away. And it doesn't take much to lose it, but that's what great offensive lines do. They don't allow someone to get on someone's hip. They pass off those, those games of a defensive line really, really well all the time. And yeah. that's where they got to get to here in short order. Let's talk about the rest of the Big Ten here, and we'll come back and finish up with Michigan at the end. But how much college football did you watch yesterday? Were you out doing some mountain biking, or what were you doing there? Well, here's a story. Here's a true story, Ballas. This, uh, this last weekend, I officiated a wedding on Friday afternoon. Really? Yes, really. This uh, happened. Officially officiated? Officially. Wow. I officially officiated a wedding up in okay. Cadillac this weekend for a family member. Nice. Um, and so um, – that with the wedding was on Friday, went off very well, and uh, bride and groom happy. Had a lot of fun that night with friends and family up there, so that was all fun. And then yesterday evening, watched a lot of football. Watched okay. the, obviously the Michigan game and a lot of highlights. I wanted to catch that Colorado game to see how that went. 
Um, but you know, you watch you watch the Michigan game, you see the highlights of other games, South Carolina down there, Georgia. And so you mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of highly rated teams that look kind of clunky, but pulled it out and won by, you know, a pretty easy margin. Take Michigan, put them in the same bucket, and let's move on to more important parts of the season. Yeah, without a doubt. Penn State struggled a little bit with Illinois first early on, and Illinois threw, I think, five or six interceptions. They're yeah. terrible. Uh, Indiana, you know, battled Louisville. They're not going to be very good. Maryland had some issues early on again in their game and uh, on Friday night. So you look around the Big Ten, and then, of course, Michigan State. What do you make of that program and what's going on? You know what? I would expect now, if Mel Tucker gets fired as expected in early October, if he has that hearing, even if he doesn't, uh, Man, are guys going to be flocking to the portal? What is going to be well? The, what keeps them here? In my in my 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 honest opinion is guys flock to the portal portal every year, no matter what. <laughs> I, I've said this, you and I've talked about this. I think for a lot of young men playing college sports and young women playing college sports, it's a one year commitment now, with the availability to go make money somewhere else very next year because I can't. Um, do I think there'll be a higher percentage if it gets messier up at Michigan State? Yes, I do. And I think there's some some mysterious reason why the the quarterback and their number one wide receiver left last year to go play for somebody else. And I think it's safe to say um, that the Michigan State football program is kind of a mess right now. And for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. And it'd be nice if that school is a member of the Big Ten could clean it up and get it clean. But I I don't think that's going to happen fast. No. Uh, From what I've read, it sounds like the lawyers are circling and this could this could drag on for a while for Michigan State, which is unfortunate for the players on the team and the families yeah. that signed up for a positive experience and hopefully learn how to be productive members of society and everything else that we hope for all these young athletes playing college sports across America. But for failed leadership and someone who makes some really galactically stupid decisions, it's an example of what not to do when you get into positions of leadership. And you have to lead young people. You don't want to do some things up there, but Michigan State needs to handle this as best they can and move on. And unfortunately, the young guys on that football team are caught in the crosshairs, and it showed on Saturday. They got blown off the field. And that's so I've, you know, part of me, a small part of me bows because they wear the green and white. Part of me feels bad for them because this is not what anybody signed up for up there. But I, I think that's going to be a mess for a little bit. Yeah, there's more coming, according to some of my guys that were on the sidelines at Michigan State. More allegations probably coming and, uh, uh, without getting into details. So it, it could get worse before it gets better. And these guys can probably leave, you know, midseason, some of these players and preserve a year of eligibility if they haven't played in their number of games. Oh, is that? Uh, yeah, I didn't think yeah, about that part of that's it. What I was, so. That's what I was meant to bring up. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. you could have a mass exodus before the Michigan game. So you look at that as, you know, boy, we're going to go up there and Michigan's going to have a hard time now. They play like they did Saturday night. You know, that could be a decent game for a while, but you got to feel better about Michigan's chances up there, right? Well, absolutely, I do. But here's, you know, the, the other part about this, this the current era of college football, don't think for a second that the top players on Michigan State's roster aren't hearing from the handlers of, of all these other schools across America. This is going on, people. And the NCAA is doing nothing about this at any school across the country. But I guarantee you, Michigan State's top players are getting those phone calls and the offers to hit the portal and come play for us and we'll we'll sign you up for all these NIL deals. And uh, so it absolutely could be a mess. Uh, how they preserve it, I don't know. And then you think about this. Think if you're a coach, you're a coach on this uh, assistant uh, assistant coach on this staff right now. You know you're your coach your coach is going to get fired. You know what happens when the head coach gets fired? Everybody's gone. You're right. done. You're out of here. 
Um, so, so it's a, it's a mess. Um, and it sucks. Um, and hopefully we get moved on, but, um, yeah, the big 10, the big 10, you know, Hey, outside of Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state, yikes. not much to talk not about. Much, not We're, really there. Yeah. Not yeah. much to talk about this year. No, Iowa's going to struggle uh, offensively again. Cade McNamara, they won 41 to 10, but his numbers weren't great. Uh, they ran up the score at the end there. Wisconsin looks vulnerable. So I don't know who's going to win the West. It's going to be by default again. So, uh, you know what? Putting you on the spot, who wins the Big Ten East and who wins the Big Ten based on what you've seen through three games? I, I'm still um, I'm still in on Michigan. Mm-hmm. I'm still in just because of the experience, the combination of things we talked about earlier. Michigan, I fully expect to win this Big Ten, not because I have – the maize and blue hat on here or the maize and blue sunglasses. I, I do believe that they will get, find a way to get this done. It'll come down to us in Ohio state. Um, Penn state presents a unique challenge, but as we talked about before, Franklin is still the head coach there and he finds a way to lose <laughs> big games all the time. It's just what he does. And so Michigan still wins this thing, um, but they got to get cleaner faster in order to yeah. do it. And we'll see if they can do that this week. He's Doug Skeen. Michigan's five-time Big Ten champion, former NFL standout for the New England Patriots. And, uh, Doug, appreciate it, man. We will do this again next week. Hey, thanks for having me, Ballas. Go Blue. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.